you may have picked up already through the reading of the scriptures and through some of my comments that um, one of the themes um, for my prepared message um, and for this uh, worship is that of waiting. Now, I'd be honest, one of my growing edges um, in life has been that of waiting. I don't wait very well. In fact, I can be downright impatient at times, and this has been well documented. Uh, as a kid, for example, I couldn't wait to open up presents on my birthday. I wanted them now, and I remember one very uh, distinct birthday in which I just bugged and bugged my mom about one of the birthday presents that she had hidden. She said, fine, if you want it and you find it, you can have it. And well, I scoured that house. I looked all over, finally found it under the bed, and I uh, had my birthday present, my little bow and arrow set, but all the waiting was over. All the expectancy was over. Um, I just had it, and there it was. Um, so waiting has never been one of my strong suits. A few years ago, we met the kids at um, Charlotte Airport, and they'd had an all-night flight from um, California. So we stopped off for breakfast, and I dropped them off, and uh, we went to park the car. And when I walked up, uh, both Chad and Aaron immediately began prepping me with phrases like, Dad, it's only 30 minutes. Wait, you can do this. You can do this. So not one of my prouder moments. They know me well, and they knew that anything 30 minutes and over uh, was going to be a test for me. Um, I've always said that probably one of the greatest inventions of life, if you're taking your family to Disney, is that of the fast pass. You get in that line, you just go right past the wait, boom, you're done. Now this is why this is probably one of my growing edges in life and in my own spiritual journey, since waiting seems to be a very central theme in Scripture. And that's why I pay attention to it. What does it mean to wait, to get beyond the lines at the restaurants, to get beyond hunting for birthday presents, to get beyond the lines at Disney and Fast Pass? What does it mean to live a life of waiting, a life of expectant waiting? What does it mean to wait um, in the spiritual journey? Uh, Psalm 5.3 reads, Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I lay it all before you, and then I wait expectantly. Psalm 31 verse 24 reads, All you who wait for the Lord, be strong and let your heart take courage. Psalm 38 15, But I wait for you, Lord. You will answer my Lord and my God. Now that's just a sampling, a very small sampling of psalms, but even in those short verses, we begin to see that a central theme in Scripture in the spiritual journey is that of waiting. A passage I read from Lamentations, I'll read again. I call this to mind, and therefore I will wait. Certainly the faithful love of the Lord hasn't ended. Certainly God's compassion isn't through. They are renewed every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I think the Lord is my portion, therefore I'll wait for him. The Lord is good to those who hope in him, to the person who seeks him. It is good to wait in silence for the Lord's deliverance. Peppered throughout those short passages is that word, wait. And then even in Paul's letter to the Romans, we have this uh, wonderful verse in the whole, out of the whole chapter of chapter 8. The whole creation waits breathless with anticipation for the revelation of God's sons and daughters. Now, that passage goes on to talk about so much more in Romans 8, but even that small verse 
somehow indicates to us that this waiting that we're invited to in the spiritual journey is not a passive waiting. It's not a impatient waiting, although it can be dependent upon who you are. But there, there is the sense of breathless anticipation that God is up to something, that God will do something. We can hope in that. We can count on that. So we're going to wait. And that's what Paul and the, and the psalmist and all the biblical writers invite us to. So waiting is not a side theme or an afterthought in Scripture. Waiting is a very central theme. And I suspect its centrality consists in the reality that we, maybe I, need to be reminded that we aren't the ones making things happen. We live in a culture where we pride ourselves on making things happen, shaking things up, getting things done. And we sometimes get to the point where we may think that we're our, we are the only ones that are making things happen, getting things done. But when Scripture, when, when the divine, when God invites us to wait, we realize that we're not the ones in control. We aren't the ones that are making things happen. When, when I don't like to wait, it's because things aren't happening on my time. My schedule, my demands, my preferences. When I wait, I am at the mercy of someone else's timeline and someone else's schedule. But have you noticed that it's often in the waiting that life is happening? It's often in the waiting that life is happening in those very unseen places. The places we can't see, yet life is developing and life is growing. Expectant parents wait nine months for a child to be born. And in the unseen, the child grows and develops and is shaped and formed. A gardener plants a seed and waits for the first shoot to come out of the ground and then the fruit. But in the unseen, beneath um, the grass, in the very depths of the ground, the seed develops and it grows. So in all of these unseen places, there is something happening. We don't see it. We're not completely aware of it, but we trust that something, someone, is growing, developing, being formed and shaped. There is life at work. There is life emerging, and it will emerge at some point. And so we hope and we wait with breathless expectation and anticipation. But often it's in the waiting that life is happening in the unseen places. Again, places that we can't see, yet life is developing and growing. Now, this is not a passive um, waiting, but it is an expectant waiting, a waiting that knows that there will be life and there will be fruit and there will be growth. But in the waiting, divine work is taking place, which is often unseen, but very real and yet very, very active. Henry Nouwen, who um, I always find a great insight in the spiritual journey, uh, wrote these words about radical waiting. I have found it very important, he writes, in my own life to try to let go of my wishes and instead to live in hope. I am finding that when I choose to let go of my sometimes petty and superficial wishes and trust that my life is precious and meaningful in the eyes of God, something really new, something beyond my own expectations begins to happen to me. To wait with openness and trust is an enormously radical attitude toward life. It is choosing to hope that something is happening for us that is far beyond our own imaginings. It is giving up control over our future and letting God define our life. It is living with the conviction that God molds us in love, 
holds us in tenderness and moves us away from the sources of our fear. And then he finishes with these words. Our spiritual life is a life in which we wait, actively present to the moment, expecting that new things will happen to us, new things that are far beyond our own imagination or prediction. This indeed is a very radical stance toward life in a world preoccupied with control. I'm going to read that last sentence again. This indeed, Henry Nouwen writes, is a very radical stance toward life in a world preoccupied with control. And Nouwen reminds us that hope and waiting, they go hand in hand. It is a letting go of my agenda. It's a letting go of my wishes, and it's trusting that God knows what God is doing. And that something beautiful, something right, and something timely will eventually unfold in my life and in our world. As Psalm 130 reminds us, which I read earlier, I hope, Lord, my whole being hopes, and I wait for God's promises. My whole being waits for my Lord more than the night watch waits for the morning. Yes, more than the night watch waits for the morning. Israel, wait for the Lord. Because faithful love is with the Lord, because great redemption is with our God. I wondered how that would sound if we put our own name in place of Israel. I hope, Lord, my whole being hopes and I wait for God's promise. My whole being waits for my Lord more than the night watch waits for the morning. Yes, more than the night watch waits for the morning. Scott, wait for the Lord. Because faithful love is with the Lord because great redemption is with our God. Put your own name in that verse. Israel, wait for the Lord. Now put your name there in place of Israel. Because faithful love is with the Lord because great redemption is with our God. You know, Quakers often remind one another to not outrun one's guide. Guide with a capital G. See, for Quakers, to outrun one's guide means that while someone may have started with patiently following God's guidance or living in God's light, then they go beyond that guidance and they start living in their own wisdom, in their own effort, in their own ingenuity, in their own schemes, and in their own plans. It's as if we're saying to God, we can do this on our own now. We've got this. You're moving a little bit too slow. You're not moving fast enough. And so individuals and even, even individual meetings, local meetings, can sometimes outrun their guide and get ahead of their guide because they want things to happen right now. It takes great trust to not outrun one's guide, to trust that God's guidance is good and timely and that all things will be well in God's time. It takes great trust with one another to not outrun one's guide and to trust that each person is seeking God's guidance and light and to not press for decisions and resolve when the time isn't right for that decision. Now certainly, there is a time to wait, and there is a time to act, and that's the whole point of good discernment. How long to wait, and when to act. And honestly, it is not a clean process. It can feel messy at times. It can feel uh, tough at times. It can feel as if you're in the middle of a wilderness. It can feel as if you're in uncharted territory. But this is where trust and hope enter. To trust with hope that God's guidance will become clear, and God's guidance is good, and that God has our best interests at heart, and God will never lead us, or God will never lead our local meeting astray. And so we wait expectantly, expectantly knowing that God 
is at work. Lloyd Lee is a Quaker uh, who's still with us, uh, a very wise person, a very wise man, has written uh, books on Quaker spirituality and Quaker life. And he writes about what's called waiting worship. Now, waiting worship is what Quakers often engage in, in which we call open worship. Uh, we engage in silence and we sit in silence. Some Quaker meetings will do that for the whole hour. Some will do it for about half the time, which are called semi-programmed. And at Deep River Friends, we have a period of time called open worship, communion after the manner of friends, which is waiting worship. And waiting worship is really an act or a corporate act, as Lloyd Lee Wilson writes, of listening to God. It is corporate contemplative prayer. It is prayer without words. But really what it is, it is sitting and being present um, in a place and in a space where we know that God is present among us, that God is within us and God is with us and God is around us, that life literally drips with the presence of God, that Christ is present to us in a very self-giving, gracious way. When we gather for worship, when we gather for waiting worship, when we gather in open worship, we gather in faith and trust that Christ is present among us and with us in that moment. And that the reason we wait is so that we can hear. The reason we wait is so that we don't outrun our guide. The reason we wait is so that we have a chance to listen and sink deeply into God's love, into God's presence. Lloyd Lee Wilson, um, in some of his writings, talks about what he calls the three acts of worship around waiting worship. And I just want to share these with you briefly. He says the first act of worship is to simply offer ourselves totally and completely to God. God who is the Lord of all creation and creator of all, and that is the God of the whole universe, that we dedicate and surrender ourselves to God. Eugene Peterson, um, who um, was a prolific author and a wonderful pastor in uh, Bel Air, Maryland, they've just written um, a, a biography about him entitled Burning in My Bones about his, uh, his life and his ministry. Um, every Sunday, he would stand before his congregation, his Presbyterian congregation uh, in Bel Air, Maryland, and every Sunday, he would say the same words to begin. We are here to worship God. So this first act of worship is simply to offer ourselves, to surrender ourselves to that moment that God is present. And that is why we are here, to surrender our lives to God. The second act of worship, Lloyd Lee says, is to listen to God. There is no moment, he says, in which God is not speaking. Often it's our inability or our unwillingness to listen. That's why we don't hear God. And then he says, this requires preparation for worship on my part and on your part. In other words, do I come prepared to hear God? Do I come to worship with anticipation that God may speak? Do I come prepared to listen to God through the scripture, through the message, through the hymns, in the silence, through someone else's vocal ministry. But this second act of worship, worship is to listen, to listen to God. I'm usually so quick to give my opinion or to give my thoughts that I'm not quick to listen. And then the third act of worship, Lloyd Lee says, is holy obedience. This is often, as he writes, it means an action taken in the world in some way or maybe an action taken to rethink our lives and how we may be living and conducting our lives. Whatever the case may be, holy obedience is to act upon the leading, uh, the opening, the guidance that we are given by God. 
And sometimes that action may simply be to wait longer, but we hear it as something God is guiding and telling us or informing us to do. So Lloyd Lee summarizes very well these three simple acts of a worshiping community. Surrender, listening, and obedience. And you know, as I thought about those two, I thought these can be a very meaningful way to enter and live one's day. I enter the day and I surrender this day to God. As I surrender this day to God, I, I make sure that throughout the whole day, I'm listening to God, listening to God through my life, listening to God through everything that is going on around me, listening to God through other people, listening to God through scripture or inspirational reading. And then I pay attention to where God may be asking me to live into it faithfully, to be obedient to God's leading in God's direction. So surrender, listening, and faithful obedience. This is what it means to live a life of worship. This is what it means to be a worshiping community. But more than that, this is what it means to live into what we call waiting worship. Waiting worship as friends. Waiting worship as Quakers. Uh, waiting worship as the people of God. As we listen and surrender to God and, and intend to walk faithfully with God. I want to close with these words from Psalms for Praying. This is actually a paraphrase of the Psalms, and this is a paraphrase of Psalm 130. It's written by a person named Nan Merrill, and this is what she writes. Out of the depths I cry to you. In your mercy, hear my voice. May you be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you should number the times we stray from you, O beloved, who could face you? Yet you are ever ready to forgive. That we, might be, that we might be healed. I wait for you. My soul waits. For you in your love I would live. My soul awaits the beloved as one awaits the birth of a child or as one awaits the fulfillment of their destiny. Waiting is not just about worship. As good as and, and helpful as what Lloyd Lee has given us. Waiting is a way of life. It's a way of living into God's promises. It's a way of living with expectant hope and breathless anticipation that God is working in our life, that God is working in our world. To be sure, there will be times that we need to act. There will be times that we need to make decisions. There will be times that we need to move forward. But we can't move forward. We can't act. We can't make good decisions unless we take the time to wait and surrender and listen and pay attention to how God is speaking to us and how God is guiding us and not to outrun our guide.